and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to a rather special episode of the Trash Tapes podcast. I'm Yaron Chapal, the host of this fabulous pile of filth, recording this from the future. Which one, though, is entirely up to you to guess. At the time of recording, it is Pride Month, where the world joins in solidarity and support for our fellow trash brothers, sisters, and non-binary folk in the LGBTQ plus community. And with that, we decided to tackle one of the big and heavy hitters of bad taste cinema. But before I hand you over to my past self and walking movie library, Daryl Buxton, I would like to make a statement. Watching this movie for this episode and researching these wonderfully strange and quirky queer characters all enjoying themselves with confidence and grace has made me somewhat reflective. As an openly gay man, I would consider myself lucky that I've had the chance to be myself without too many repercussions. But the threat is always there. For some in the community, they are still suffering from homophobic, biphobic and transphobic attacks or are forced to hide their true selves to avoid discrimination, abuse, isolation, and even death. The reason why Pride Month exists is to inform our allies, our governments, and the community at large that LGBTQ plus rights are still needed, and that prejudice is still out there. So, if you want to support them, I have put down in the description the donation links to the following charities. The Stonewall Charity, who have been protecting and fighting for the right of the LGBTQ plus community for decades. And the mental health charity Mind, who have supported many queer members through depression, anxiety and suicidal thoughts. I have already donated a small amount to both causes and all future profits from this episode will be forwarded to them as a means of saying thank you for all their hard work. And now, on with the show, where we tackle John Waters' ex exercise in bad taste, starring the glamorous drag queen Divine and the rest of the Dreamland crew. This is Pink Flamingos. Enjoy, you assholes! You are about to experience trash 
cinema. And welcome to another episode of The Trash Tapes, where one man's trash is another man's treasure. I am Johan Chapal, your host and the inflictor of pain. And once again, I am not joined by my usual victim and DJ, Edward Harvey. He is, at the moment, still sorting things out in his house. Now, he has internet, but he's still unpacking things. Although he's taking his time, apparently he's literally going through every single DVD, trying to put it in the perfect order it needs to be. It's not the usual category of putting things in alphabetical order. So that's taking his time. But I've actually got a fantastic uh, guest host today. Um, I have Daryl Buxton, a.k.a. the co-host of Cinelit uh, Podcast, which is a podcast I listen to almost religiously now, which is a lot of fun. And he's also a film historian, which makes it great, because that means then we're, we're going to have to go a proper deep dive into this movie. So, Daryl, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, nice to be here, Johan. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, love the trash tapes and uh, mm. um, really looking forward to uh, digging into our subject today. Oh, definitely. Because the movie we're going to talk about today, it, let's be the reason why I picked this movie is because one, it's Pride Month, and I feel like I want to show there is that the, there is a, there is somehow even in bad movies and trash movies a representation of the LGBT community. But the problem is a lot of it's bad, like stereotypically offensively bad so try to find one that isn't but also fits within this category was hard but then realizing it actually that the movie itself is literally called has a nickname the an exercise in bad taste uh kind of makes it perfect so the movie we're going to talk about is the iconic um pink flamingos by john waters I'd like to close with the original trailer New Line Cinema used to sell Pink Flamingos. Notice, no footage from the actual movie is ever shown. Did you happen to hear about it? From some friends who saw it and thought it was absolutely marvelous. Probably, I'll be very insulted. Rick Reed (laughs) told us that it's uh, fabulous. Would you come out at midnight to see it? Why go home at midnight? What are you going to see there? Oh, it's marvelous. Absolutely. Disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Not to be believed. Absolutely. (laughs) It was divine. Fabulous. I love Dirty things as much as everyone else is, but this isn't even dirty. Woohoo! So, um, let's let, let's put it into context first of all. So, um, what's your what's your sort of your understanding or your relationship with John Waters as a filmmaker? 
Well, his uh, his stuff didn't come over to Britain sort of immediately. Um, mm. The Scala Cinema, the great late lamented Scala Cinema in King's Cross, used to put his stuff on, but even they didn't start showing Waters films until the late seventies. Mm. So he he sort of tied in with the punk rock over here, mm. and um, and and then it was sort of into into the early and mid eighties that the Waters films began sort of sneaking out on video cassette over here mm. or playing playing repertory theatres and playing uh, sort of cult cinema um, uh, sort of venues around the country as they were starting to spread around the country in the, mm. in the early 80s. We had the Metro Cinema in Derby, which was mm. uh, where I first clapped eyes on um, a double bill of the Female Trouble and Desperate Living, actually. I've read all about John Waters. <laughs> in various cult movie books. Yeah. We sort of knew who Divine was. You'd seen photos of Divine mm. in sort of punk fanzines and so on. Yeah. And um, uh, and then to see Female Trouble it, and Desperate Living back to back. Yeah, that double bill could, if you've never seen a John Waters movie and you saw those two, you would instantly feel like, okay, this person's interesting because- Yeah, yeah, and I want to see more. And, exactly. Uh, Pink, Pink Flamingos came down the pike soon after and, um, um, you know, I, I went to see that and uh, everyone mm. who saw that um, in the wake of seeing that double bill in Derby mm. was, oh yeah, every, everything we heard about this guy is true, you know. Yeah, it's uh, probably like, it's like you mentioned, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of punk rock without even yeah. intending to be punk rock. He was yeah, just... Sort of- Yeah, I mean, he was doing that sort of 10 years before the fact, really. You know, he started out making short films in Baltimore in the mid-60s. And um, so a full 10 years before punk. But it it just so happened that... all of Water's friends, all of the people that he could sort of corral and round up and get in, get to perform in front of a camera, were all the the, the six or seven most outlandish people in Baltimore, <laughs> and, they, and they were they were all sort of wearing thrift store clothes and putting on their own makeup really, really badly in yeah. sort of mad angular patterns and crazy colours and so on. And yeah, it, it anticipated. What, what happened on the punk scene in 1976-77, and very, very much in line with British punk rather yeah. than the stuff that was going on in New York. It was really a look that seemed to be adopted it's by the attitude, wasn't um, it? people like Sue Catwoman and Jordan, the, mm. the, the women on the women on the punk scene, um, not necessarily the punk bands themselves, but it was the sort of hangers-on and the, and the fans that were going to see gigs at the Roxy and places like that. They all, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, it really was, you know, there, there was um, Divine and and Mink Stoll and David Lockery and all of Waters' pals all had this sort of fuck you attitude right, right from the mid sixties. They were outside of the counterculture as well. It was extraordinary. They were their own little thing. And if you think think about what was happening in New York at the time with the Warhol people as well, the Warhol exactly. superstars, um, they were getting all the attention because they were they were happening in New York and because Andy Warhol mm. was a great self-promoter and he was becoming known as an artist as well. He actually got um, a measure of fame for the people that were his sort of acolytes and the people that were involved at the factory. But there were actually these little pockets around 
sort of unfashionable parts of America where outsider artists and especially filmmakers, Virgil Gordon Lewis, Russ Mayer, um, Ted V. Michaels, um, and Walters was a part of that. He sort of picked up a camera, he went out and made his own films, which was a very, very punk rock thing to do. He got his mates involved and they became almost almost like a sort of parody of, or almost like a, 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 a sort of antidote to the, the, the fame of, of the, the Andy Warhol clan. You know, it was like, okay, we're doing the same thing that Andy Warhol's doing, but nobody, nobody's noticing it, you know. <laughs> He clearly, he actually says he was influenced by Andy Warhol. I think one, yeah, one of the things yeah. he says was um, if he had a weird fascination with things like Chelsea Girls and also uh, he, he also generally loved those like, uh, I think it was Empire, which is literally just the Andy Warhol movie where you're just looking at the Empire State Building for 12 hours. He found yes, that fascinating, yeah. uh, John Waters. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he said like, well, I can do that because I can do that and I can do it on the cheap because what are you doing? So he does that and makes it, but he says, I want to have my own bohemian thing to it so he makes it quirkier i mean warhol and his director paul morrissey were, were making great sort of uh, they were doing sort of satires of things like soap operas and stuff mm. and and they were doing they were treating all their friends as superstars they, they even used the word superstar you know yeah. to describe them and waters as you say loved that stuff mm. but from a very a very early part of his filmmaking, he did actually distance himself a bit from that because he said that um, uh, he he said that the Warhol and Morrissey stuff was largely um, just switch on the camera, point it at you know Bridget Polk or or yeah. who whichever superstar uh, Edie Sedgwick or whoever happened to be passing by at the time Lou Reed or whoever and. They may be playing a character in front of the camera, but it probably wasn't scripted and they'd just be improvising and the character that they were playing would probably be riffing on a version of themselves. Yeah. And Waters, Waters took great pride in saying, look, all my stuff is scripted and rehearsed mm. and properly written and it's all laid out like a proper movie. You know, I, I you know, I, the, it may resemble what, what Warhol and Paul Morrissey are doing, but yeah. it, it's actually also got my love of Hollywood. It's got my love of old school Hollywood in there. My yeah. love of, of terrible old Liz Taylor movies that nobody else went to see <laughs> and old 1950s Douglas Sirk films and so yeah. on. So all of that filters through into, into John Waters, which it doesn't into the Warhol and Paul Morrissey stuff. So, That's true. so there is, they, they, he does see similarities, but he also wants to make that distinction. I think one of the things I'm going to hopefully cover in the trash tapes eventually is I do actually want to cover Paul Morrissey and Andy Warhol because <laughs> the, only, the only two that I've seen from them, which are the ones that are perfect for the trash tapes, is The Flesh of Frankenstein and The Blood of Dracula, which yeah, is yeah. which is the thing. But you're right, actually. In terms of acting performance or about theatrics or whatever, none of them are really characters. Even the people who are supposed to be characters are acting like supermodels walking in, being themselves, having a bit of a screw and then some gore. So it isn't that with with something like John Waters and especially with Pink Flamingos these are they are characters even though they may be an extension of themselves mm. they are really over the top and they are definitely a character among that and you can even see and you and, and I think in terms of his script in, in terms of how the actors perform which uh, we'll we'll get into in a moment um, <laughs> it does feel like there's definitely been a script because Something I noticed with John Waters with John Waters movies, more so as going backwards again. Yeah. Yeah. Is 
how dialogue how dialogue is written and sort of portrayed um and how it's been said because everyone has some kind of speech everyone has a speech <laughs> um everyone has like a rant no one has conversations there are people ranting at each other in blocks of text as a filmmaker for me came in a lot later in life yeah, um, yeah. I feel as if I think it's got the reason why because I'm I'm, I'm about to turn 35 which uh, which basically means to me that a lot of John Waters movie put into kind of died out because I was 13 in the year 2000 when Cecil B. Demented came out right mm. so after that and what two other movies after that he hasn't put that much of a stamp a lot of his a lot of his influence came prior and what yeah. is to happen yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So uh, for the last literally two, two, three weeks before uh, getting onto the show, I had to do, I did research. I actually went down there and did research. I watched nearly every John Waters movie I wow. could find. That's, that's a hell of a crash course to pack into a couple of weeks. Because the thing is, Johan, someone of your age who, mm. who's sort of, you, you, you've sort of seen the Waters films that have come out during your lifetime. Yeah. And so even if you backtrack into Waters then, you're probably initially backtracking into Serial Mom and Hairspray, you know. Yeah. And so for you to discover all, all of this, this whole other sort of world of John Waters yeah. and pack that into a fortnight. Tell, tell us a bit about that. Tell, tell us about your, your process there over the last few weeks. So I went back, first of all, I mean, the only other movie, from, the only movie I knew from the 70s was Pink Flamingos. The only other only thing I heard afterwards, I have heard of a few of them, but they're all in passing. In fact, and this is the thing, I this edition must shows how out of the loop I was. I didn't actually know the Hairspray was John Waters. Mm. I didn't know that. Because I, I remember Hairspray, Hairspray, the musical Hairspray? Yeah, yeah. So that, <laughs> thinking like, and then I said, okay, so I have to go back and watch the original movie. So I sat down and watched the original movie. That's the first thing I did. And then I watched Cry Baby, but with Johnny Depp, which, mm. again, it's quirky, but it's not, you wouldn't call it edgy. But you can see no. it's him trying to, it's, it's him satirizing what he loves about the 50s, which is yeah. great. Yeah. But it's like, okay, that's fine then. So then, then obviously I, I, already, I already watched Cecil B. Demented a while ago, so I already knew about that. But then going backwards, I watched Polyester. That's a good one. Uh, I like Polyester a lot. But you can even see going backwards and Polyester is already starting to lose a little bit of its edge. It's weird. Mm. Going backwards, you can actually see the knife getting sharper and just getting almost more uncomfortable because he's pushy. It, it clearly shows he started off big. And then he started yeah. to blunt the knife as he went through the decades and started going more into the Hollywood system. 
Yeah. Do you know what, Johan? There are there are certain recording artists that have, you know recording artists do greatest hits albums all the time. Yeah. What one or two? The, the the sort of trend seems to now have become for recording artists to do if they do a greatest hits album. David mm-hmm. Bowie did this. One or two other people have done it. They do a greatest hits compilation and they do it in reverse. They they put the new stuff first and they put their very primitive stuff right at the end. Yeah. And then all the hits in the middle and. The way you've watched John Waters' films is sort of <laughs> like that, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it, Water, Waters is a good fit for that, isn't he? I'm sure you found that. Yeah, because the more I watched it backwards, like really, I found more interesting commentary. I found more satire. I found more stuff. Now, honestly, the stuff in the 80s and 90s, I actually found more humorous. I found it funnier because yeah. I feel like he's not. We're not maybe not going for the mark, but maybe it's my sense of humor. But in the 70s. And in the 70s in particular, God, that was edgy. That is sharp edge of a samurai sword. Wow. Um, because the last movie I watched before I got to it, before be, before this podcast was Pink Flamingos. I literally went from Cecil B. Demented to Pink Flamingos <laughs> in reverse order. That's so I think I ended on a bang, I think. <laughs> Very recently, as part of the research as well, I watched a lot of interviews from him over the years. And one of the things he said now, and this is sort of reflective of what we just said before, at the at the beginning of his career, he was an outsider. Now he's definitely an insider, and that's the most punk rock thing he could ever be, he says. Exactly, yeah. He's yeah. embraced the mainstream, and, and he knows how shocking that is to mm. the people that have followed him for 50 years. You Which know. is just like me looking backwards, realising that the man who did Pig Flamingos also wrote Hairspray is yeah, the biggest yeah, yeah. shock well, horror in my um, mind I've ever as, could ever consider. As my 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 cine lit uh, co-host Adam Marsh pointed yeah. out to me yesterday, um, John John Waters, one of John Waters' most recent roles has been um, a guest a guest um, a guest role in uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks Four. So uh, <laughs> you know um, he's he's done RuPaul's Drag Race. You know he's he's yeah. he's, he's he's done all this stuff. He's done he he was infused on TV. You know mm. the, the big. Um, uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford um, uh, mm. uh, series play, playing William Castle. John Waters looks nothing like William Castle, but nope. the idea of John Waters playing William Castle is perfect, you know. And for him to be doing that on mainstream TV yeah. is is just outrageous in in an insider sort of way, you know. It's brilliant. He's, 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 he's turned the inside into the outside brilliantly. Now, my question is, right, um, could Pink Flamingos, the movie, be made now? No, no. The only thing you could do would be to do a, 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 a dramatization of the making of the film. Yeah. I think some somebody could and probably will, I guess, get round to, although who the hell you'd cast in these parts, I don't know. But yeah. I'm sure somebody will do a Waters biopic one day. And, his, and, his... It, and you could do a sort of making of Pink Flamingos. You could do a sort of Ed Wood-type movie. 100%. And that's, that's the closest you could get to, to sort of um, getting into this world today. You couldn't actually remake this film. You, you couldn't even remotely do a film like it, I don't think. Well, here's the thing, though. There has technically been a remake, which is in 2015, uh, John Waters made a remake of 
pink flamingos using nothing but children called kitty flamingos. Um, so basically, it's it's kitty. It's kid. It's, how do you? I haven't seen it, but how could you in in all hell make a kid friendly version of this movie? Yeah, I, I love that somebody has tried. I I, yeah. I I would you know I'm I'm shocked and amazed by that news, and uh, and I'm sure John Waters was as well. He would have been delighted that he was shocked by something. No, um, yeah, no, yeah, but this, no, 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 this is the thing. He directed it himself, so John right, Waters right. made this himself. Oh, so really? He, really? Yes. So he went back and said, you know what? Just for kicks, I guess, he decided to just do a kid-friendly version of Pink Flamingos. Why not? Why you not? Know, well, you know, again, he's he's still he's still out there, still trying to shock them, and uh, you know, whatever whatever we think about the way the mainstream might have co-opted him and taken the edge off him, there there there's something inside him there that's still proving no, I I can do it, you know. Yeah. Um, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. No, I, I didn't know about that. But so. now we know. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know if I want to because now that I've seen originally Pink Flamingos, the last thing I want to see is a ten-year-old trying to re attempt some of those sequences. This seems an appropriate point to, to get into the movie itself. Now, yeah. I I sort of, you know, um, I'm, I'm very familiar with Pink Flamingos, but yeah. as I knew we were doing this, as you do, you know, out of courtesy, I watched the film again, just so, so yeah. I was right up to scratch with it. And I'm putting an old DVD into my player. Mm. The, the DVD menu comes up and the disc chapter titles come up yeah. and they include... Chicken fuck, the turd <laughs> in the mail, the slasher, the blowjob, the castration, convicted of assholeism. And yeah. then you, you, you go on to the next page of the menu and you get the deleted scenes. <laughs> and there's a, cha- there's a chapter stop on the deleted scenes that I can't even give the title of because it would get trash tapes thrown off the internet. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's this is why I was also, this is why to a point I was intimidated about doing this movie on the show because what we're about to talk about is one possibly one of for me one of the funniest movies ever and also definitely one of the difficult to talk about without feeling like there's going to be a bunch of coppers coming to kick down the door in any minute. Oh yeah, there, there was a, there was a film poster for Pink Flamingos when it yeah. was first released in 1972 in America that said it's not Mary Poppins, it's not the Poseidon Adventure, it's not even Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> it's not even anything. It is his own entity. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Uh, it's, it even sort of stands outside of, of Walter's own film. You know, the stuff the stuff that came next, Female Trouble and Desperate Living, I think are magnificent films. Brilliant. But Pink Flamingos sort of got there first, you know. It, it, yeah. it's, uh, anything he did after that was going to have Pink Flamingos stamped all over it, even even up to Cecil B. Demented and A Dirty Shame. You know, you're still watching those movies in the 21st century, and you can't get away from the fact that these are by the guy who made Pink Flamingos. It, 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 it sort of stands like a colossus, over everything that came next. It's even in the marketing for some of the movies. Like, yeah, even the, yeah. the movies after Pink Flamingos, like, you know, Woman in, like, you know, Woman in Trouble, uh, you've got Desperate Living and Polyester. They still say, from the director of Pink Flamingos, John yeah, Waters, yeah, yeah. as if it's saying, like, look, if you ha- if if you if you haven't seen Pink Flamingos, you've definitely heard of Pink Flamingos. So if you don't want to watch Pink Flamingos because it's too much, but you want to maybe watch something of him because you want to see how outrageous he is, here you go. 
like I only heard of things when going in. So going in for the first time round and going, okay, what's this movie about? And to to a brief synopsis, it's basically about two two types of freaks, basically two types of filthy people. Divine and Divine and her family, who are literally just literally Divine has been labelled by the tabloids in Baltimore. That's the filthiest person alive. And then you've got and then you've got this other bunch. Who are who, 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 the bunch who are trying to overthrow her? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so the, the, the movie's about it's it's a good old fashioned competition movie. It's a yeah. sports movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a sports movie with penises. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, <laughs> so so yeah. yeah, so so we we've got on one hand we've got uh, Waters mates uh, yeah. Divine and. Um, uh, Mary Vivian Pierce, and then yeah. on the other hand, we've got to David Lockery and Mink Stoll, and they're playing yeah. Ray, the brilliantly named Raymond and Connie Marble. They are who great. Are against, who are up against Divine, who's given herself the alias Babs Johnson, which is fabulous. <laughs> and, and 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 she lives she lives in a trailer with yeah. with um, we we're never quite sure who these people are. You know, are are they her kids or, or there's um, there's there's Danny Mills as Crackers and there's Mary yes. Vivian. Pierce as Cotton. There's um, there's the great Edith Massey. Yes. Um, yeah, as uh, as the egg lady who's waiting for the Eggman, you know, like like <sighs> waiting for Godot sort of thing. You know, she's waiting for the Eggman to arrive, and then he does <sighs> arrive, and he's he's a sort of part of the extended family as well. He's yeah. the person who brings eggs. And, um, <laughs> Can I just uh, yeah? The mothers for me is both hilarious and awkward to look at because we have to describe the mum basically because yeah, yeah. she is. She's basically just in her underwear in a giant play cot that she never leaves from. I'm yeah. not sure whether because she just doesn't want to or she's too heavy, but whatever it is, she's still in there. And the, her obsession with eggs is both hilarious and slightly off-putting because every conversation is about where is the Eggman cotton? Where is the Eggman? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And and it's and, and also a weird, funny conversation in a bit where she's talking where she's talking to Cotton, and I believe she goes over and says, like, I say, can you please explain to me the Humpty Dumpty situation again? Like, how can an egg? <laughs> how can a human be an egg, Cotton? How can a human be an egg? What do you mean, Humpty Dumpty was an egg? How can a person be an egg, Cotton? How can a person be an egg? Well, I had little legs and little arms, and he could walk and talk and all, just like a person. Only he was an egg, a little egg, all dressed up. <laughs> Tell it to me again, Cotton. You should be learning it by now, Edie. Now listen carefully. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. <laughs> I, I love Edith Massey. She's so great. I mean, she's really good in Desperate Living as well. If, yes. uh, if your listeners are going to sort of mm. delve into the world of waters, she plays the queen of Mortville in, in Desperate is Living. She's so and good in that. fabulous in that. But um, uh, effectively giving pretty much the same performance that she gives in Desperate Living without the playpen, you know. But uh, I, I don't know if you've covered on, on Trash Tapes so the Ted Post film, The Baby, which came out in 1970. No, but we're doing it soon. Yeah, you, you must, you must. What I want to point out, I, I won't I won't say too much about the baby then, mm. but um, what I want to point out there is that John Waters had 
Edith Massey in a playpen a year before Hollywood went and did it in 1973 with the Ted Post movie. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one there because the baby is a world of its own. But oh, that, that's a whole different um, creature. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind yeah. of fascinating. I would love the fact of Hollywood saying, like, do you know this Pink Flamingos movie? There's this weird, <laughs> this is weird large woman in a playpen. Can we make a whole movie can, out of it? Because she's the best thing that? in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll go and do it with people that have been in Clint Eastwood films. You know, so and, bizarre. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about Divine. Um, yeah, yeah. Divine, honestly, uh, Divine is by Divine is basically John Waters as a whole, really, isn't she? She is. Mm. She is the reason why. Uh, she's obviously the almost the pinnacle reason why people remember John Waters movies because yeah, she is yeah. that much of a character. And it's all. And it's it's what I want to find out is like I find that this movie. Because again, I didn't even know a lot about Divine. I heard the name Divine, but I never. And, and the famous poster I saw her, which is her in the red dress holding a gun, right? Which is great. But um, it's interesting to see how much of the stuff we see in like drag and the LGBT community now um, started off here. But there's one scene in particular when Divine's going into the going into the city, and this is clearly shot without permission, where she's walking into the city, and you see her. All the heads are turning, like in almost in a combination of shock and disgust of seeing this Godzilla-sized woman, basically, just walking through this drag queen that is the size of a house, just yeah, walking yeah. through with big hair, the eyebrows and everything else just appearing, again, almost like a monster crushing through Tokyo. <laughs> Yeah, sure. One one of Waters' all-time favourite films is uh, The Girl Can't Help It with Jane yeah. Van, Mansfield. Mm. And there's a fantastic sequence in that where the title theme is is playing Little Little Richard doing the title song and Jane Mansfield walking through a city and heads are turning. And this is Hollywood gloss. It's 1950s Hollywood gloss. Mm. It's Jane Mansfield as a, a genuine star um, on a Hollywood um, sort of street set, you know, and they've got sort of coordinated movie extras that are turning mm. their heads when they're told to by the director and by the AD, you know. And uh, what you've got here is John Waters with no money. He's got a dollar ninety-eight to make this thing, you know. <laughs> he's he's got his he's got his mates in their own costumes yeah. that they they nicked from the local thrift shops, you know. Yeah. Um and uh, and they then had to sort of let out and, and sew up so they can fit into them. And um and but he wants to repeat the girl can't help it. So yeah, yeah what he does is exactly Exactly what you've just described. He puts Divine in one of her most outrageous outfits, and he hasn't got any movie extras. He's not got Hollywood sets, so he just sends them out on a Baltimore street. Divine <laughs> walks up and down the street, and genuine shoppers genuinely gawk at something <laughs> yeah. that they have never ever seen in their lives. You know, and yeah. Waters films it all, and it looks like the scene from The Girl Can't Help It. It's yeah. fantastic. It's great. It looks like that, but it's almost it's almost. Again, it's a spin on it. It is, because it is, it is, it's a spin because it's cinema veritable. Yeah. It's happening. It's actually happening. It isn't false. And on top of that, and this is the thing, um, we, this is the thing I also love about it because it's low budget indie filmmaking. You can see how it it feels more real in general. Anyway, like yeah, this yeah. is why I feel like as we go from the movie and talk about some of the nastier bits, uh, why I felt more uncomfortable because. It's comparing that to something, comparing to some of the weirder bits, like there are some gross movies out there, but they're glossy. Like if I talk about the human centipede or a Serbian film, 
yeah, they're disgusting, and some of it's just downright offensive, but it's glossy, yeah, so they, I they, never take it they seriously. Sort of, they sort of, they they look and feel and play like real movies, like they're yeah. proper films, you know. This is, this isn't, this is, this is, this not. Is, this is cinematic outrage. <laughs> it's not even a movie if you really think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then he introduces the marbles, who are personally, they are hilarious and odd. Because first of all, you've got you've got uh, Connie, you've got Connie Marbles, who I think at the very beginning that we were introduced her in this bright red dyed hair, which yeah, at the yeah. time was not a thing. They they she bleached, they had to bleach the hair blonde and use ink and highlighter markers yeah. to get the color, which is insane. Now we now you can just go to a shop and do it. And this this character is played by Mink, the brilliantly named Mink Stoll, who it's actually li- she she actually lived with John Waters at the time. They yeah. they sort of shared a house together, and then um, some of the other characters were sort of living together. So mm. they they all they all lived in about four different houses. You know, the yeah. whole cast sort of all all lived in different groups yeah. as as a sort of commune dotted around different parts of which Baltimore. makes more sense <laughs> as we think yeah, about this movie. Yeah. So so yeah, but Mink Mink Stoll was genuinely dying her hair anyway. As as we with David Lockery. David Lockery, yeah. who plays a uh, Raymond Marble, yeah. has long he has long hair in the film, which yeah. you can say, well, it was hippie time, you know. But his hair is not only long, but it's bright blue. And, <laughs> and the the act the actor didn't necessarily dye it for the movie. He wore it like that around Baltimore yeah. when he went to the shops, you know. And and again, this is 1972. It's not punk rock. It's before that. It's influencing what came four or five years later. The 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 look of the female character. Characters, and in particular, what Divine does, um, uh, I, th- I think, I think drag through through the decades has been, you know, I, I, I think drag queens like to look. If, if you go back sort of 30, 40 years, you know, yeah. the idea was they wanted to all look like Elizabeth Taylor or Lana Turner or someone. Mm. Um, the influence that Divine and John Waters have had on the drag scene currently is that. They, there's still the element of wanting to look glamorous, but they don't mind the the, the little tinge of grotesquery in there as well. Yeah. And that's come directly from what we're seeing from um, the characters that Divine played for Waters. It's also coming from the, the, the look of the characters that Mink Soul played for John Waters. 100%. Um, um, with a little bit of some of the other stuff thrown in as well, um, and and what 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 it what it tells people on the gay scene and on the drag scene mm. is that okay, if you're a little bit overweight or if you're not happy with your sort of body image or you're not happy with the way you look when you look in a mirror, look at Edith Massey in a playpen in Pink Flamingos <laughs> yes. in her underwear. Look at Divine. They're they're happy with themselves. You can do this, you know. If 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 you if you can't look like Britney Spears or somebody or whoever your role model is, you can do what Edith Massey and Mick Stoll and Divine did in the John Waters movies, and you can look fabulous. You can look and fabulous people, and confident people, in that yeah, look. Pe- people have taken that on board. They've gone out and done it, and that seems to be what's what sort of affecting the uh, the drag scene at the moment. I think. Yeah, and even just an LGBTQ community, because looking back in Pink Flamingos and realising that basically looking back at it, it's like, here are all people who are clearly outside the normal bubble, but look how weirdly happy they are. <laughs> 
One of my favorite bits is the beginning when you introduce to Connie, where she's sitting down on the desk and she's seemingly interviewing what seems to be some kind of secretary and it's yeah. not working. I love the fact as well that it shows that the marbles are so self-absorbed in trying to be the filthiest person alive that oh, no yes. one else cares about their plight <laughs> because you've got this secretary coming in. It's like, I'm here for the position. I actually had to do research on whoever the hell this divine woman is because no normal people, because she's normal. She's regularly dressed. Yeah, she looks yeah, like a regular yeah. person. No one there... No, anyone who's normal doesn't care about this. But she's like, what? So you've done the research. And then she does this horrible rant saying like, well, sure, you don't know about Because you don't know clearly who this person is, I can't hire you because you're not freaky or weird like me. Well, Miss Sandstone, after looking over your qualifications, my husband and I have decided that you're not exactly what we had in mind for the job. Not only have you never heard of divine, which is one of the key elements for this particular job, but you also seem to show a lack of gender experience and to be honest we feel you're sort of a dullard well why do you say that I did everything you asked I even found out who this divine was too late too late now if you wouldn't mind I do have a busy day ahead of me there's really nothing left to discuss well, what am I supposed to do now that's what I'd like to know you can eat shit for all I care, Miss Sandstone, or eat anything that you like, or do anything that you like. Just don't assume that I want to know your troubles. Now, if you wouldn't mind, I'm a busy woman with a full day's work ahead of me. Please remove yourself from my office. You're a real cunt, do you know that? A real fucking cunt! How can you be so shitty to people? How can you stand yourself? I guess there's just two kinds of people, Miss Sandstone. My kind of people, and assholes it's rather obvious which category you fit into have a nice day eat the bird bitch the level of sass is beautiful yeah and the, the word asshole is 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 used almost like punctuation in this movie you <laughs> yes. know it's, uh, it's it's great but yeah that that setup is is brilliant because that i think that secretary character or, or yeah. well, she's not a secretary she's she being was. interviewed for the post yeah. yeah um so so there's this post of secretary that's going you uh for for the marbles and it's great that the people that come in for it um you you you've, you've really hit this on the head here johan yeah. that, that uh, what's being sold to us as this this the the key the key central story of the movie it's sort of taking place on two street corners in baltimore yeah. and in and in divine's trailer you know nobody else in the world <laughs> and nobody else in baltimore gives a shit yeah. but john waters gives a shit and so he makes his audience think that, yeah, this story is really important. This competition to be the filthiest person alive is what the, the, the world is revolving around this. And then you get these characters who come in who know nothing about that. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're completely shocked and surprised. And, and um, they're confused. Yeah, the, 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 the idea that someone is in this movie who doesn't know who Divine is, is, is outrageous, you know. Then after that, we're introduced to the. Then we talk to what ma the marble's overall thing is. So obviously, the, with Divine's family, they're they're filthy. They're filthy, but they're happy doing their own thing, not being disturbed. They just like to be filthy. They yeah, don't want people of, to mock them. Sort of, they're sort of playfully filthy, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. They're, 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 you know, they well, well, we'll get more into what they do. They they do commit outrageous crimes, but uh, they do. But they, they, they have a wonderful <laughs> time doing it. The, the marbles don't seem to have a great time doing anything. It's do work they? for them. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And go go into go into then, as a new viewer to Pink Flamingos, yeah. I'd love 
loves to hear your sort of description of of, 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 of the, marbles. the marbles do. Okay, yeah, the marbles yeah. are, to me, genuinely the worst because first of all first of all you've got first of all you've got raymond who randomly just for kicks will just flash people but he doesn't just normally flash people <laughs> he, he, he attaches an incredibly long sausage to his penis and we see the whole thing yeah with, to, with, with a with a sort of ragged piece of string you know it's not even well done is it you know he's got this huge he's got this huge wiener sort of attached to his own wiener yeah. um with 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 a a, a bit of string tied in a it's knot. Almost, it almost feels half-assed, which I think, like, yeah, if you, yeah. it, it feels like he's just, if you thought, like, this was a thing he had proper kicks with, he would have said, like, right, I'm going to structure, like, a giant dildo, I'm going to make the whole thing, right? But no, he does, he, he needs that for kicks in between. Although at one point, this is quite fascinating, he does this once to a woman, and then turns out the woman does have a penis herself, and this was actually a friend of John Waters who was just one week away from finishing off a yeah. full operation. And it says, well, let's take advantage of this shall we so let's have a woman with a penis in there well done yeah and so even david lockery as raymond marble is yeah. shocked you know he's 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 the filthiest character alive or, or trying to be and, and he and he's doing incredibly shocking things that are disturbing us as we watch and then here's this scene where he's shocked and waters is so good at doing this yeah. the character the character you mentioned there the the, the chick with a dick character yeah. was called was called elizabeth and waters waters did a great quote about her on one of the dvd commentaries yeah. he said he said um, he said, oh, she was on welfare at the time. And as you say, Johan, she was one week away from the operation, you know. <laughs> and, and so Waters filmed this just in time. But he said, yeah, um, he said the Waters' great one-liner about her was, yeah, um, uh, welfare paid for her tits and she paid for her own her own vagina. It's amazing. It's it, <laughs> That scene for me, because I didn't see it coming, and shock her and go, oh, there you go. It's like saying, yeah. so yeah, it's, again, it shows a little bit how hypocritical the marbles are, because there's Raymond, who is supposed to be trying to be the filthiest person alive. And so, so you'd think you think so. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you would think you think a trans person wouldn't be shocking, but mm. there it is, it's shocking for him, which means he's a hypocrite. Same goes with Connie, yeah. because the whole act of being filthy is the, the idea is filthy, but the act is more evil than filthy, where both of them kidnap women on the side of the road who are hitchhiking, put them into a basement, try and get them pregnant to sell their children to lesbian couples. Via their hideous butler Channing, who uh, uh, who, do, who doesn't who doesn't even impregnate them in the conventional way, does he? Are we going to no. go there with this? Yeah, we're going to go describe this. Okay, yeah. okay. The best way to describe it is in a simple <laughs> word: it's artificial insemination. Basically, it's artificial insemination. John, John, cheap John Waters style. It is, and here's the thing: looking back at things, John Waters said if he had one scene he properly regretted, it was filming this one because he generally yeah. felt like this, even to him, felt a little too far. Yeah, he, he even he even manages to offend himself in this movie. Yeah, which is great because the whole scene is basically you've got these two women in shackles in the, in the basement. <laughs> in this filthy basement, yeah. yeah Disgusting. Yeah. And the thing is you have this one woman who's all, there's, there's, only, there's only one woman who really talks in the basement mm. and doing a rant. And the thing is the rant doesn't stop. <laughs> And it's really uncomfortable. It's like, it's like oh, well, oh, you brought another one in here. Is she dead? Is she doing it? Why are you doing here? What's going on? And it's like two minutes of her literally shouting abuse at Channing. And then what else are you thinking here? Like, this is uncomfortable. I have a new friend for you. Already? You got one already? 
Why is she asleep or is she dead? Did you just kill her? Where did they get her? Where did they get this one? Hitchhiking, just like you were. Doesn't pay to hitchhike these days, does it? And I guess you're gonna fuck her now, is that it? Right in front of me. The poor girl, the poor girl has to fuck you. Thank God I don't remember it. Thank God you spared me at least that. I have a surprise for you this time. I don't even have to touch her. How'd you get out of that part of the job? Did your boss finally decide someone else would do it? Who? Her slimy boyfriend? Is she going to let that fag do it in front of me, that whore? Oh, no. This is a surprise for Connie and Raymond, too. I have it all figured out this time. I don't even have to touch her. Why did you have to touch me? How could I have a child by you? What a repulsive thought. Oh, you pig, you animal. How could you keep doing this? Oh, my God, what are you doing? Why are you doing that in front of me? Stop it, you asshole. Oh, how vile can you be? Shut up. Shut up, you'll see. Just shut up. I swear I'm gonna stop on you, Jan. I swear I'm gonna puke if you don't stop doing that. And then it's a, and then, and while she's still ranting, Channing says, just drops trowel. You just, you know, you see it from, you see it from the butt. He jerks off, grabs the semen from his hand, puts it in a syringe, and then you get a horrible close-up of the vagina and the injection going in. And you're thinking, Christ, this is, all, and this all happens in, in like in three minutes. Like this is quick and uncomfortable hearing a woman ranting about how horrible this is. Seeing a person jerking off and then doing the whole thing. It's, Oh, that to me, I think, out of all the scenes, and there are plenty more scenes, that's one of the scenes I sat there and I thought, thinking, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the thing is, Johan, that to 20 years later, 20 years later, yeah. the, the, the best picture winner at the Oscars yeah. was the film about a psycho who kidnaps women and throws them into a pit, into a grimy pit, you know, the silence of the lambs. Oh, shit. <laughs> This is, oh my God, you blew my mind. You blew my mind. Waters again gets there 20 years before Hollywood. You know? Oh my God. It's a base. Oh my God. Imagine that. Again, I'm just now imagining going like, you know, saying like, well, you know, we did. Another film director, you know, another, another producer going, mm, you know, that scene of Pink Flamingo's out five minute horrible scene. Can we make a whole movie out of that? Yeah. Can, can, can we win Oscars by doing this? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, the answer is yes, you can. Yes, you can. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Oh, it clearly shows how much more influence this movie has than we realise. Um, <laughs> what they're trying to do then, basically, is the Marbles are just trying to find ways to infiltrate almost Divine's base and find some information to ruin her life, basically. So this is where Cookie comes in, which is yeah. the date, which is the date of crackers, right? And so they end up having a conversation. Look, right, I want you to find information, blah, blah, blah. And I love the thing is like saying, oh, crackers, this crackers has, has, is, is sex. It has a very weird idea of sex. And we find out what this weird idea of sex is um, when they finally meet, which is, you think it's pleasant at the beginning, but then they talk about chickens. Um, and, oh, yes. And, okay, I want to ask you, maybe you know this more than I do. Was that... 
a real chicken in that scene. Yes, yeah. Um, it, this is the other scene that Waters now finds slightly offensive. Yeah. In fact, in fact, he, he said, um, when I see the chicken scene now, I don't know what to say. It's like looking at your past crimes when you're at a parole hearing. Um, yeah. What happened was, uh, well, the, the scene is Danny Mills as crackers. Yeah. Has has been sort of seduced by this spy who's been hired by by the Marbles, yeah. and she goes along to the the trailer where um, where Crackers and Divine and the, the whole family live. Mm. She's absolutely appalled by the sight of Edith Massey yeah. chowing down on eggs in her playpen. <laughs> um, but but she you know she she's there to do a job for yeah. the Marbles. She's there to get information. She's there to do that by by letting crackers have his way with her but yeah. he decides that um rather than the conventional method of seduction you know yep. in a, a nice a nice sort of bedroom with nice silken sheets and that's so too on, easy for john waters <laughs> they, they go out to, they go out to the chicken coop out back you know yes and they fuck on a mattress in the chicken coop and they include live chickens in the act. And that now, is gross. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, the actress playing Cookie did get scratched by chicken talons for real. So, <sighs> so you, do, you do see her bleeding. Um, uh, Danny Mills, who now doesn't talk about the film, and apparently uh, I, I gather that he got arrested l- later in life for involvement in some LSD ring. Fantastic. And he, spent, he spent several years in prison, but he he refuses to talk about his participation in Pink Flamingos now. And it could be largely down to this scene because Waters <laughs> asked him to slit the chicken's throat, I think with a razor blade or something. Yeah. And so you've got this mixture of blood from the chicken's talon sort of digging into the actress you've got chicken blood going all over both of them yeah. while they're involved in this this sex scene and um, yeah. then, then another chicken gets thrown into the mix as well and, and, yeah. so, and they're, they're all sort of flapping about the wings are going they're clucking you know one of them's bleeding to death all all over the actress and um uh, but what water's defense of this scene was to say that they got the chicken the chicken that dies yeah. they actually got from from a farm supplier who was if the chicken was going to be slaughtered that day anyway so so um so as john waters said yes. we made we made that chicken's life better it got to be in a movie it got fucked and it became a star i'm not gonna lie it's a it's both a brilliant defense and also the worst defense because you're just <laughs> saying yeah we did it but look it's a famous chicken now so yeah yeah, yeah. and then after after it got fucked and it became a star danny mills then cooked it on the barbecue outside the so it got reused. um yeah, but yeah. maybe not intentionally the way you'd like it to be but it got reused um <laughs> But yeah, this is the thing I found uncomfortable because I felt like there's there's bits where she's holding the chicken, although it did make me laugh. The la- there's only one bit that made me laugh of the sequence. It's just it's just uh, crackers holding the chicken, throwing throwing it to Cookie, saying, "Hold the damn chickens!" <laughs> and, it's just, and, it's, and then and then and the, the thing what feels uncomfortable is there's bits where I think it's the slit chicken throat one, where you're seeing the chicken being tucked in between them, and you're yes, seeing like yeah, that yeah. is uncomfortable. But there, you missed one little weird extra twist to this thing to make it even more filthy which is uh cotton who is i think i'm not sure they're related whether sister brother no whatever but uh cotton gets off on crackers like she she generally finds crackers beautiful but they don't like touching so she she, cook uh, cotton always says because saying to uh to crackers 
look, I I love you so much, but I can't have sex with you. So could you just do this weird kinky sex act for me with <laughs> lots of blood and extra bits in it while she was? She's here, Miss Cotton. She's here. It shouldn't be long now before I get it going. That is, if she cooperates, and she will. Oh, crackers, I'm so excited. I've just been sitting right here ever since she left. What's she like? Does she have a nice body? What are you going to do for me today, honey? It's something I haven't seen, I hope. Miss Cotton, I got something in mind today I never, ever tried before. Something very exciting for me. My little chickens are going to be in the show today, Cotton. Me and some nice, juicy, plump chickens. I need this so bad, crackers. Make it better than you did last time. What was the matter with that? You said you liked that show. Oh, I did, I did. It's just that you were so fucking beautiful in that one but now i want more i gotta see more crackers more than what i've already seen can we have some blood in this one just a little bit and take your clothes off slower slower and don't let her ruin it miss cotton you're gonna dig this one it's gonna be better than anything i ever did before i can feel my blood all through my body you know i only do it for you it's only you watching that gets me up you know that I'll make it special today. I promise. Please be careful not to touch me. Please be careful. I ain't touching you. I ain't touching you. C Cotton is looking through all this as it's happening, which makes it even more awkward. And she's smiling, going, yes, basically. It's just like, oh, that's an extra wrinkle that I didn't even want to know. They they are contenders for the weirdest, weirdest family in American cinema, I think. And that's that's a that's a trophy that is is sort of up for grabs. <laughs> All right, so after this sequence, basically Cookie goes back, shares the information. So now the marbles know where they are, right? And this is, again, showing how the marbles are trying too hard to be filthy, but not doing a good job because they send a box, a present, a birthday present. And they send the birthday present. I love how it sends a box. This goes to, it goes to Babs, a trailer in the middle of nowhere, Baltimore. <laughs> and it's like, okay. So they sent, so a mailman mysteriously goes, because obviously there is no address. So the fact that someone knocks on the door and it's a mailman, but obviously Divine is very confused by this. Yeah. And they threaten because, because there's no address. And, yeah. and, and so therefore the mailman shouldn't be there. Yeah. The suspicion arises and they threaten to murder him. Yes. Miss Babs Johnson? Yes, I'm Babs Johnson. Special delivery package, ma'am. You sign here, please. What do you mean, special delivery package? There's no address here. It says right here, Babs Johnson, a trailer, Phoenix, Maryland. And you are Babs Johnson, aren't you? Of course I'm Babs Johnson. I just told you that. But there is no address here. This is not on any road, route, or street. And I don't want people on my property. So don't ever bring mail here again. Do you understand? And the next package you bring me is getting shoved right up your little ass. Can you comprehend that? I understand. I comprehend. I understand. Now you've received some new training, as you call it, and you'd better remember it. So you have exactly 15 seconds to get off of my property, motherfucker, before I break your goddamn neck. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. Run, you bastard, run! But here's the thing, though. When they get the present, right... And this is the thing that surprises me in terms of, again, compete, the, in terms of competing levels, how one, the marbles are trying way too hard and the divine family are just the worst. So here it is. The present opens up and it's a turd. It's just a turd in a box. That is something that a cheeky teenager would do as a joke, right? It's not filthy, although it's really funny how over-exaggerated they are. They, everyone else is, I'm not sure whether being sarcastically or taking it seriously, the idea of going and saying like, oh my God, someone gave us a bowel movement. This <laughs> is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Oh, oh my God, oh man, you someone has sent me a bowel movement. Oh, a turd, mama, a turd. Who could have said this? Ah! 
attack on my divinity, a direct attack on the peace and harmony of our last few weeks here, an outrageous attempt to humiliate and disgrace my private life. Someone will pay for this. Someone will pay with their life for this grossly offensive act. Mama, nobody sends you a turn expects to live. Nobody. Why would anybody do this to us? Why? Look, look, here's a card. Read it, Cotton. It's a birthday card, a fucking birthday card. Now what does it say? What does it say? Oh, God, Fats. Happy birthday, Fatso. <gasps> you are no longer the filthiest person alive. Oh. We are. Oh. Signed, the filthiest people alive. Oh, just as I thought. And a deliberate attempt to seize my title. That is, for me, I'm thinking, compared to everything else in this movie, that's the tamest thing you could do. Yeah, you're, you're right there, Johan, but the off the off screen story is yeah. actually worse than the on screen story because uh, John Waters, they, they were filming one day and John yeah. Waters actually took Divine aside and said, you know, when, when you come in tomorrow morning, when you when you go home tonight, yeah. could could you shit in a box and then bring it in tomorrow? <laughs> so it's the it's Divine's it's Divine's own turn is the gift. That's and hilarious. The, and, and Divine turned up with it in a box the next day and, and had gaily wrapped it and tied a bow around it, which Waters wasn't expecting, you know. <laughs> and, and, um, uh, and, and Waters Waters has, has since said about it, he said that, you know, ha- having worked with Kathleen Turner on, on the brilliant uh, serial mob in the 90s, yeah. uh, Waters on the DVD commentary re-watches that scene and tells a story about uh, Divine shitting in a box and... Yeah. Gift wrapping it and bringing it in, and then having it presented to himself as in, in the scene, you know, in the drama. Mm. And Waters, Waters' final word on that is, "I wonder if Kathleen Turner would have done that if I'd asked." Oh, <laughs> imagine seeing that. You know, I don't know if anyone else would have done this. Although, if they did, you know, it depends on where you were in life, I guess. Uh, but yeah, what I find generally funny is like. That whole bit with the box, I love that. I love that now. It's just it's divine reacting to her own shit, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she's sitting there going like, "This is the worst thing ever." And so she's now on a mission to try and get whoever sent this yeah. over. Well, this is the, the, they're in competition. You've now got to up the ante. You've got to go one better. Yeah, yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, but this is the thing. Around this time, the reason why is because it's, her, it's Divine's birthday. 
birthday. Well, supposedly. So there's some weird birthday party situation. Let's move to that scene because I need, I need, there's one image that I need to talk about <laughs> because I need to share this. So the birthday party is happening and it's kind of cute because every, you've got all these weird hippies and freaks and bohemians and, you know, gay, straight, yeah, whatever. Everyone's there. It's a complete cornucopia of freaks. And I love it. And it's a fantastic party. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. It's a great party. Uh, everyone's giving presents. Along. I mean, I mean, I think Crackers gives Divine a meat cleaver, which is great. And a whole bunch of weird, quirky presents and stuff like that. But then there is the talent show. And yeah, yeah. I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, oh, yeah. Now, now to put this in context, um, uh, <laughs> Um, Kenneth Anger was was the first person to sort of use records on on the soundtrack of a movie. Rather yeah. than, again, because he couldn't afford anything else, he put records on the soundtrack True. of films like Scorpio Rising. Yeah. And Holly, Hollywood eventually got round to doing that on Mean Streets in 1973. And mm. now every, every film does it. You know, yeah. every film is filled filled with pop hits. But Martin Scorsese did it with Mean Streets um, in 1973. Again, John Waters, who Pink Flamingos did Anger it first. Did. Pink Flamingos got there first. It was the first feature film to use pop records on the soundtrack. And Waters didn't bother getting the rights or anything. Yeah, he, I noticed he, that. He, he, these, are, these are classic he, 50s hits. These are all yeah, like 50s yeah, hits. Yeah. yeah, he just said, he just, I didn't get the rights. I couldn't afford to, you know, and yeah. uh, so so I didn't bother. And, uh, um, and brilliantly so. So one of the records that's featured on the soundtrack is... Yes. The 60s trash classic, um, Surfing Bird by the Trash Men. Yes. And I'll, I'll leave you to continue to explain, Johan. So, okay, so you have Surfing Bird playing in the background. Then you have the talent fabulous show. Fabulous tune, yeah. It's a fabulous yeah. tune. It's a fabulous tune. That's, uh, that, that, that's still a classic. And then you see what I would describe the weird stretchy man. Where, first of all, you've got the man, you've got a man in all fours, stretching himself with his back, doing weird stuff. And then you get to a bit, which is the only way I can describe it is a whistling asshole. Like that is literally all I could describe this. He's, he's literally bent over, arse out, legs over his head, and it's miming to surfing bird. Miming to surfing bird, <laughs> right? To the point where it got that. This made, I had to stop because I laughed and also was in shock. I'm convinced the way he was whistling. I swear I could see his prostate. I could see everything. Oh, yeah. 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 Ah, it's one. It's what can I say? The man is talented, but I never thought. Ah, so yeah, the whistling yeah, asshole Bal- scene. Baltimore's got talent. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Magic Baltimore's yeah. got talent. Yeah. Let's bring in the whistling butt man. Yeah, Let's yeah. bring him in. Um, that, so- that, that, that guy has, has been complaining for the last 50 years that nobody has ever recognised him from the movie. <laughs> but, well, maybe if he has his arse out more, maybe yeah, we would yeah, have noticed. Maybe, maybe. He, he also said that in the, the job where he works, he, he did actually take the tape in one day and, and mm. gave it to a, a female colleague and said oh I'm, I'm in this film you know oh, watch no. this and, <laughs> oh, no. and she, she, she just bought it back the next day and left it on his desk and then sort of ran away you know that, that, I mean no offence but that would totally ruin date prospects for most people <laughs> it's like saying well how, how were you known for well you, I'm, you, I'm noticed for my butthole basically When all this is happening, the marbles are sneakily in around the corner kind of thing, right? They're looking over. And so because of the living in the middle, they end up calling the police. So the police come in. And this is great 
Because what they do is once the police are coming in, you everyone starts hiding, going, oh, no, no. They think they're hiding. They're like, oh, no, we've got to stop the party. No, they come out with goddamn meat cleavers. Everyone's got an axe. Yeah. And they literally... Divine, divine using the one that she's just been given as a birthday present. Beautiful. And, and, yeah, yeah. and what the only thing I can only describe is eats the policeman. Yeah, yeah, they slaughter them. I mean, bear in mind, again, a film that Waters will have recently seen at this point and will have loved is mm. um, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Yes, he's it also, very feels much like that. He's also a huge, huge fan of Herschel Gordon Lewis and Herschel mm. Gordon Lewis's gore films of the early 60s, uh, Blood Feast being a particular favourite. So Ooh, yeah. this, was, this was a chance for Waters to sort of do Blood Feast meets Night of the Living Dead meets anti-authority by by slaughtering these policemen and police women and then having the the party sort of reach its height by having the guests eat the policeman's limbs and body parts there is a great bit where divine is literally i think eating literally like a leg bone she's holding yeah, a whole yeah, leg yeah. just eating <laughs> it away it's oh uh, it's like it's in that scene in itself this is the thing it's not gory because literally they just see a whole bunch of axes and then suddenly just a pile on top of them and then just meat being pulled but yeah. the image of that is just really kind of it's both it, again it's it's adding more to the filth side and saying like now this family's filth but also it's 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 finally showing a bit more of the comedy of it. Now, the whole thing for me is funny because it's how outlandish yeah. it is. But this is the first scene I said, like, now you're doing this for now you're doing this for laughs more than just to be gross. You're doing this for giggles. Because if you were trying to be gross, you would have shown it more gross. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's because the, the, the characters who, who are killed in the scene yeah. are, are policemen and that, that would have appealed to the audience, I think, yeah. you know. The, mm. Oh, it's, it's the, the pigs are getting it sort of thing, you know, and I think I think that's where Waters was going with that. So. Now that all this has gone on and obviously now Divine and everyone else is kind of really pissed off, you get to, um, you then move on to um, when they find out about the, where mar the marbles are living and go and go into their abode, basically. But what's fascinating is this: there's, there was a whole buildup that was deleted, isn't it? Like the buildup yeah. to them finding out the information about the marbles was yeah. deleted. There was even a scene where the marbles were snuck into the trailer. Oh yeah, they 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 abuse Edie Massey, yeah, yeah. which is which is we we love Edie, and, and that's unthinkable. That's shocking to us, you know. That's that, like, uh, why don't and, you and, dare? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and 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 you can see that on the deleted scenes, mm. and it's 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 a, it's a nasty scene actually. It's not it's not done for laughs. It's um, it's not done even sort of as part of the as part of the uh, filthiest people alive challenge. It's yeah. it's just it's just there for, for pure spite really. It's it's a it, it's it sort of fits the the Marvels characters, but I don't think it quite fits the tone of Pink Flamingos. Definitely, it's, it's a little bit too nasty, I think. And and that's, and that's weird, actually, comparing to all the nasty that happens in the movie. <laughs> but it's weird how that scene was too much. And I get it, yeah, because it's yeah. now, it's just being mean for mean's sake. But yeah. so, so this is where the information, but what I love about it is, this is something we haven't, we failed to mention. John Waters is a narrator, isn't he, in this? Yes, yes, he is. So he's a narrator. So half the time, he will just say stuff as breaking the fourth wall and just sometimes just calling the marbles assholes. And um, so basically he says like, oh, in an elaborate, in, and he basically covers up in a voice of, oh, in a, some, an elaborate case of events, the divine has found out where the marbles live. Basically, that's all they've done. So they go into the house and, so, okay, all right. Do, 
does Divine's family have magical spit? Because <laughs> seems it seems so. Yeah. So they ba- they basically to to put this in a nutshell, yeah. they they lick all of the marbles, fixtures, <laughs> fittings, and furniture. Oh, 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 oh crackers, get this couch real good. Uh, uh, they probably sit here and say all sorts of banal things to one another. Why they may have even decided to send us by turn on this very sofa. Uh, I'm getting it on, Mama. Don't you worry. They think they're filthy. We'll just see what the furniture thinks. Right, Mama? Am I right? Yes, Parker, yes. Don't miss anything. Should I shit on the floor, Mama? Right here in the living room? No, Parker, no. Don't do anything yet. Uh, just get your saliva glands going. Real good. Crackers and Divine proceed to sort of spit and, and lick over all of the furniture, all of the banisters, everything they can, the tabletops, everything. It's hilarious. Me, me, meanwhile, we've got um, uh, we've got the marble setting fire to Divine's trailer home. Yes. So, so, so that's burning down. Divine isn't aware that's happening. But then they get back to each other's respective abodes. Divine finds that her home has been destroyed and ruined and and everything's gone, everything's gone. Um, But the marbles get home, (laughs) their house, and of course they they, they don't notice initially because they open the door, nothing appears to be wrong, nothing seems to have been touched. Um, All good. Johan, again, from from your sort of first-timer's point of view, tell tell us about it. I laughed a lot because because (laughs) this is the thing. This shows... That again, it, again, it's beating up to the idea that the marbles are trying too hard, it, and they're just nasty for the sake of nasty, and not for literally enjoying filth. Because burning down, burning down the divine's trailer is just bad. It's not filthy or anything of competition-wise. It's just being sore losers. Divine's family, what they've done is like we are so filthy that basically it can repel other people who claim to be filthy, but are not <laughs> filthy than us. So Connie sits on a sofa and as she's sitting there going, oh, we've won, we've, defi- we've defied them and beat them all. So, and lying down on the sofa going, oh, Raymond, come and vow me, please. And then literally the sofa literally spits her out. And yeah. everyone's, all the furniture is collapsing and spitting them out because the house is no longer... They are no longer filthy enough to live yeah, in that they're, home. They're, they're rejected by it. Yeah, their own cushions reject them. It's hilarious. <laughs> Johan, we, we, need, we need to skip back a few minutes before oh, no. we get into this, because I did mention at the outset that one of the chapter stops on the disc is called Blowjob. Oh no! Okay, all right. So, are we going there? Yeah, we're going there. So we have to. This is the trash tapes. We need to. We need to inform our listeners of what this is. So the blowjob. So, so this. So this is in in the ecstatic aftermath of having licked all of the marbles furniture. Yes. Um, divine and crackers are both in a bit of a state of arousal, aren't they? Yeah, they're all. T- they're all. They're all. They're also. They're so encapsulated by their own filth. That yeah, they are yeah. aroused by it. And so after a very long, hilarious rant of saying, Oh, to my wonderful child, the only thing, the only gift I can ever give to you as a mother, the only defined gift I can give to you as a mother. And it says, I will do this for you, crackers. I will do this for you. And basically leaves in an incestuous blowjob. Oh, mama, mama. 
I just thank God above I was lucky enough to be the soul that was placed in my body. The body of divine son. The body and blood of another generation of divinity. Oh, Crackers. Crackers, my only baby. Crackers. My own flesh and blood. My own heritage. My own genes. Oh, oh Crackers. Let Mama receive you like communion. Let Mama make a gift to you. A gift that only a mother can make. A gift so special will curse this house for years after we're gone. Oh, Crackers. A gift of supreme motherhood. A gift of divinity. It's incestuous on screen and it's also homosexual. Yeah. on screen, uh, uh, off, off screen, screen. Or, yeah. or out of character, because you've got Harris Glenn Milstead and yeah. um, and heterosexual Danny Mills taking part in in this scene. So, yeah. which uh, adds a whole level of weird. To that's it. a whole level of kink. That's a whole. That's a that's a whole level of agreement that they've had to sit down and agree and saying, "Look, right, we're going to we're going to film a fellatio scene." Just to, to clarify, this is what's happening. And again, uh, the thing is, I saw the build-up. I, I didn't know this scene was, but when Divine was talking about it and they're rubbing each other and the hands are on the crotch, it's a little bit of a wait, but I'm sitting there going, no, you're not going to do this, are you? <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. And then when it is like, oh my God, you did! And it's very awkward <laughs> because I don't think... Because I don't think, because uh, I don't think um, uh, Danny Mills was entirely aroused by this. But goodness gracious, did they try? <laughs> now it's it's the the state of censorship in Britain was such that until relatively recently, mm. we we could only see a cut version of that scene. So you've got all the sort of rubbing together and everything, and all of the sort of um, uh, outrageous dialogue. Yeah. And then we 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 miss the the the, the main event. So uh, yeah. so here, here in restricted Britain, it's only been relatively recently that we've been able to see the full thing. But uh, I was going to say, what, what, what a great scene it is! Now, there's the thing. Like um, one of the things that John Waters really tried to do was trying to get out of having his movie played in porno theaters, right? He wanted mm. to be played them in 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 other midnight screening theaters, yeah. that kind of thing, right? And, they wanted and, to- and, and porno theaters, we, we should emphasize, were a new thing at this time. They, they'd only just come into the States. Um, the, mm. the, fir- the first porn film that, that was legitimately shown in theaters was a film called Mona in 1970, M-O-N-A, yeah. I should emphasize, yeah. and uh, followed <laughs> swiftly by the big hitters like Deep Throat and then a Deep Throat had come out just before Pink Flamingos. Yeah. So this is this is Waters' attempt to do a direct parody of Deep Throat, and, the, and then sort of the <laughs> year worked. after you year after you had stuff like the Devil in Devil in Miss Jones was released in theaters, yeah. and it became a big chic thing in in the states. You know, yeah. it was some, it was something that couples would go and see. Um, the elite were going to see. You'd, you'd get celebrities turning up and, and standing in line to see films like Deep Throat and Devil in Miss Jones. Yeah, because porn of sheep this, became a thing. Yeah, but this was all happening around the time that Pink Flamingo was being shot. So, yeah. uh, so Waters is right there as part of it. And yeah, a big part of this scene was his bid to have his say about this this whole new trend yeah. and to, to do a direct parody of 1972's big hit movie. And I feel like for this, it's... it's, it's it- as, as a satire of like 70s porn, that section is kind of perfect because yeah, if yeah. you look at, if because it is a thing, and this is some people always find very confusing. As part of when, when I was doing my 
my BA in film studies, I actually had a whole module on exploitation, which is where I fell in love with bad movies. And one was Porno Chic. So I actually had to sit there and watch Deep Throat and a whole bunch of movies as part of my own studies, which is very confusing. But looking at this and then now looking at Pink Flamingos, what I found fascinating is like, it's almost like how porno worked in that sense, because there was a whole bunch of dribble just to get to a very awkward uncomfortable moment of pleasure and and even then the pleasure is never truly satisfied which is the moment when that bit happens the, the marbles come back so they have to escape quickly we have to leave now before you finish crackers we need to go <laughs> yeah the, the the other thing to mention about porn of that era was that it it, it wasn't a, a stage it was in its very early days of, of sort of semi-legitimacy mm. and there was shady money involved. A lot of the films yeah. were being funded by gangsters. Yeah. And also, um, the, the key thing here in connection with Pink Flamingos is that the, the porn industry wasn't in the position at this point where it was attracting particularly glamorous or attractive performers. Mm. So um, so the fact that Divine and Crackers are involved in this scene, again, almost sort of parodies the... the um, the sort of ugliness of some of the the, the mm. performers in the name porn movies at the time, you know, yeah. it, it's uh, again, it's it's that sense of, of of sort of faded or dishevelled or ugly, even u- ugly glamour sort of thing, you know. You know what? Um, ugly glamour is, yeah, yeah. I think, probably the best way to describe Pink Flamingos as a whole. It's yeah, it's yeah, tr- it's yeah. glamorous, but also absolutely horrendous yeah the 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 characters think they look fabulous and to a point they do but again i think it's all in the eye of the beholder yeah as a john waters fan you go along and see pink flamingos because you've seen the poster that you mentioned earlier johan you've seen divine looking incredible in this sort of shocking pink dress you know and and um and you're attracted by that and you think yeah i want to see a movie about this character this person's great that there are people that you might be sitting next to in the theater who might see a, a scene like the blowjob scene, for instance, and even though they're enjoying the rest of the film, there might be things in it, or they might see Edie in the playpen, yeah. and they might be offended by the imagery there. Yeah. But there are going to be certain viewers who are still grooving on that and going, "This, this is great, Edith. I, I want to marry Edith Massey, you know." And, uh, and I, I too, yeah, I yeah. want to be I, her I, egg man. I, I wish I was the egg man, you know. <laughs> and, and so, so even even within a John Waters audience, yeah. you're going to get division, I think. And and it's that division that I think Waters trades on. I think he loves that. He loves the fact that people are being offended by different things at different points in the movie. Yeah, and it's it's also also a sense of if you find this glamorous welcome to the club you're one of the freaks exactly, if you, if you yeah, find this yeah, ugly yeah. you are the conservative and i'm introducing you to my world and that's yeah. what this is and that's exactly what pink flamingos is about as well because the, mm. the marbles are conservative offenders yeah, yeah. And that's 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 the divide here. So you've got these two these two families competing for this title of filthiest person alive that, as you say, nobody else gives a shit about. Nobody's <laughs> yes. interested. You know, but for for ninety minutes we're focused on this. You know, we care. And mm. yeah, um, and we've we've got the liberals versus the straights, haven't we? Pretty much. 
which then leads to, to probably the best bit, which is basically the trial. Because by this point, they capped the you know Divine and the family had pretty much summed up, saying, "Right, we're going to get them." So we capture them, ram in rope, and then go and do the trial. Which the trial is hilarious because the idea of the press is literally all the tabloid nonsense. It's all the t- <laughs> it's it's not real press. It's yeah, the only it's, it's, that it's well, it's the sort of press that Divine would read, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's it's what Babs would read. Yeah, it's yeah. not the actual genuine press. It's it just ain't, it ain't the New York Times. They're and, not invited. And that's yeah. what's great about it. Again, it's showing the idea that only a very small bu- bubble of people would care about this. But then by this point, you have them all being interviewed, and Divine says some of the best bits. Give me more questions. Divine, are you a lesbian? Yes, I have done everything. Does blood turn you on? It does more than turn me on, Mr. Vader. It makes me calm. And more than the sight of it, I love the taste of it. The taste of hot, freshly killed blood. Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. Take whatever you like. Yes. How's this for a center spread? But, and I think that I've heard that rant before, and I think that's been used a lot because the whole idea of you know kill everyone, eat shit, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you which, know, which again is is totally punk rock. You know, yeah. it's uh, it, it's completely punk rock. And then you know, I do. Do you believe in God? I am God. You know, yeah, I yeah. am God. Which yeah, because by that point they t- this is kind of hilarious. They basically their trial is a is literally a kangaroo court. They literally say it, and yeah, they, yeah. The, the, and, and apparent apparently was designed as um, this, this is quite contemporary really because last yeah. year we had the, we had again the big oscar nominated movie the trial of the chicago seven yeah. and Wat- waters based this kangaroo court on the chicago seven trial <laughs> what this movie has more links than everything else i'm gonna get to the point where i'm gonna have a board on my wall with all the red yeah, lines I've, I've got another big one coming up for you in a few minutes but oh carry my God. On. so here carry we on. go so you have the trial this big kangaroo court which is hilarious because the point being is the marbles are tied up and gagged they don't have a say in this so everyone is saying like oh they're the worst they burned our trailer down oh they're uh, they're the worst they tried to do this to my mother blah 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 they're just horrendous and they literally say well how and then it so she's cotton and crackers literally going back and forth divides the judge this it's not fair um and so they literally says how do we kill them and say well you know we could do by shooting and blah 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 so what they do is like okay we're now going to the tr- going to the alive murder basically this is we're doing a murder live people so they grab the marbles tie them to a tree tar and feather tar them. and feather them yeah yeah and then basically <laughs> divine says some wonderful bits where say like you, you, you're basically the crime your crime is for is basically your crime is for being an asshole basically yeah you you connie marble you have been convicted of assholeism they are finished and a lovely couple they are aren't they gentlemen of the press get ready because you are about to witness the biggest news event of the year. Live homicide. Connie and Raymond Marble, you have breathed your last breath. You have sighed your last sigh. You are no longer alive. Connie Marble, you stand convicted of assholeism. The proper punishment will now take place. Look pretty for the picture, Connie. That's it. No further questions. No further pictures. I have spoken. Assholeism is such a great word. 
I'm going to use that more often. Uh, assholeism is like a religion, almost. You can imagine, like, say, like, are, are you are you a member of assholeism? It's like, well, if you think you're an asshole, that means you must be in the assholeism religion. Yeah. yeah, shoots them and literally just shoots them raw, like bam, bam, in the pose with the with the dress and the hair and the makeup and the pose. It looks genuinely awesome. I really like that image. I, I, I want to mention a couple of things here, Johan. Um, uh, there's the, the 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 press are actually you know they're there with microphones and they're writing things down in notebooks and stuff. Mm. There's a couple of cameramen there as well, and the cameramen we watch the film and we think the cameramen are with the reporters, you know, filming yeah. this to to broadcast on God knows what what cable <laughs> TV channel <laughs> later that night, you know, um, National Enquirer TV, you know, yeah. but um, but. Um, in in real life, again, you've got the you've got this fiction versus what's happening in reality thing going on, like mm. with the blowjob scene. One of the cameramen there is actually filming a documentary about the making of the movie, and it, and it, which then came out several years later. No they, way. they were fil- they were filming the documentary about Divine and. <laughs> The John Waters camera is actually filming this other guy filming Divine for use in a later documentary. So we've got all these levels going on there. Um, uh, now, to, 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 to come back to John Waters' influence and Pink Flamingo's influence on yes. Hollywood, which we've been, we've been talking about all the way through, um, I was asked by the Quad in Derby to run a, a course on the films of Quentin Tarantino a few years ago. Okay. And, um, and I did do one, one, one of the weeks that I did. I wanted to do a little session on, because Tarantino's very, very open about his influences and about, yeah. he, he'll, he'll say, when, he, when he's ripped a movie off, he's says so you know he's not mm. precious about it he because he wants people to know about the films that he loves you know yeah. and he's very much like john waters in that respect mm. and um and um uh and it occurred to me that um, i was sort of working through tarantino's films and picking out clips that i could show what i was going to do was show the clip from the tarantino movie alongside a clip that i was sort of claiming had, had influenced him you know mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that to go out to, to, to um, go beyond the films that tarantino directed mm-hmm. and look at some of the stuff that he was credited on as as writer and of course one of one of the big sort of cause celebrities of, of the early to mid 90s was oliver stone's film of tarantino's script of natural born killers yeah. Of course. Doesn't that end in exactly the same way as people Doesn't it? Doesn't it? And now there's more. There's more. I was on the that occurred to me, and I thought, what I'm gonna do for my class on the course is I'm gonna play the clip from Natural Born Killers, Mm -hmm. and I am then gonna show them where it came from. I am gonna show the clip from Pink Flamingos. And I had more complaints about that clip of Pink Flamingos than any other that I have ever shown to a class. Wow. They wow. were so offended by it, and I loved their offence. I absolutely loved I just thought, John Waters, you've still got it, man. Yeah, you still got it. <laughs> if, 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 if a modern audience recently would look at that scene and go, that's too much... Yeah, they clearly yeah. it's still working, and it's true because look, look, I'm still I'm I'm reeling through the movie as we're going because we're near the end now, yeah, and yeah. um I'm reading for the movie and just generally finding it just like 
what? Although I'm uh, in a weird way, like I've seen worse movies, but this is the first one I sat there going, like, this has hit me differently. Yeah. Th- this well, hits the, the different. Thing with this one, this this one is relentless. It's yeah. offensive all the way through. Yeah, it's constantly just uh, there's, there's, throwing there's shit not, at you. I don't think there's another film that is is like it. There's nothing structured like it. Not at all. Wait, watchers. And speaking of shit, we might as well go to right to the very, very end <laughs> scene, which is literally it is random. It has no connection to the movie. Yeah. So the so the the so the film has finished. Effectively, the film is yeah, finished. Yeah, the story yeah. is done. But they decide to add a scene where it's like this. John Ward is saying like we're going to show you what you're about to see is all real. The filthiest people alive. Well, you think you know somebody filthier? Watch. As Divine proves that not only is she the filthiest person in the world, she is also the filthiest actress in the world. What you are about to see is the real thing. And so you see, you see uh, Divine walking down the street. A dog takes a shit, and then Divine goes. And eats the shit for no reason other than for literally seems to be shit and giggles. Yeah, it's absolute <laughs> shock. It is just how we, we, we've been outraging you for 90 minutes. How can we top that? And they do, you know, amazingly, given <laughs> given all the stuff that we've seen and all the stuff that we've just spent the last few minutes talking about, you know, water's and divine top it and i was thinking this is the scene that everyone remembers yeah yeah no that to be honest there were scenes but this is the scene because it's the very last image of seeing a literal shit eating grid by divine yeah that's what you remember and so to note i i did i actually looking at this i did a little bit of research on it the obviously divine was what was was willing to do it but she was obviously skeptical so there's a point where and this is what i love about it uh divine Ends up calling the doctor, but not going as herself, basically. Like, hey, um, I ate some dog shit. It's like, hey, my my child ate some dog shit. What would happen to that? And it's like, oh, it'd just be fine. The, the only thing they may probably get is worms. And it's yeah. like, well, okay, that made her feel a little better. But that's not, <laughs> that's not what you do. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, it's, it's probably quite literally one of the most... Um, it's so it's such a perfect summary of the movie, that sequence. It's funny, shocking, and random. And it and, lit- and, it, and it's got Divine in incredibly glamorous costume again. It yeah, is yeah, glamorous yeah. costume of her literally having a shit eating grin. It is yeah, yeah. nothing can top and, that. And the, the act the act of eating the shit is all performed as 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 though she's she's winning an award or something. It's all grins to the camera and arms open wide and great, you know, show the show the teeth and the tits, you know, and, and uh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Again, sums up the movie. It's fabulous and disgusting. So, Daryl, um, just to sort of go into it now, we do something a little bit differently here. We're now going to rate the movie, and we're going to do that using something called a trashometer. Trashometer. 
So, the Trashometer, if, for those who, for those who, if this is the first time you're listening to us, welcome and thank you for joining us on this unique <laughs> journey. Pink Flamingos, if this is your first listen, you were, yeah. this is high peak, this yeah, is high please, drama. Please stay next week because, please, uh, you know, it's, it's not all like this. It's not all like this, but this is high. So, let's break this down into, basically, we review, instead of doing like A's or numbers or stars or whatever, we do something called the Trashometer where we divide up into five, we divide the whole thing into sort of like five different settings. And all you got to do is see where in on this meter Pink Flamingos fall under. So first of all, tame. Tame means that we were completely bored by this movie. I can say off from a fact that is a no. We are, we were not bored by this in the slightest. No way, no way. No way, Jose. Number two, tiny bit trashy. This is where we feel like the movie had trashy moments but could have been more. I would also agree this is a no because this movie tops itself constantly. Yeah, right right to the end. Okay. Right to the end. And it even offends its yeah. own cast and its own maker. So So yeah, this cannot be <laughs> So the bottom two can be scrapped. So it has to be one of these top three. So First of all, then we've got trash. This is the perfect sweet spot. This is the ideal balance of bad to good. It's perfect mixture. You then got too trashy. Too trashy is where we're still enjoying it. We're having a whale of a time, but we're definitely feeling like it's. we're starting to crack a bit. We're starting to feel a little upset, angry, offended, that kind of thing. And then torturous. Torturous means we didn't like the movie at all because it was just too much. Now, it went too far, yeah. It went yeah. too far. Now, where do you think, on that scale, where do you think this falls under? Do you think it's trash? Do you think it's a little bit too trashy for people? What do you think? It's Pink Flamingos is, um, you know, for you guys on the trash tapes, this is like the optimum, I think. I, yeah. I think it's, it's the king of trash movies. Mm-hmm. It was a film that whatever else you covered over all the weeks and months you've been doing your podcast, this had to be covered at some point because yes. people would have come and lynched you if you hadn't done. It's the absolute optimum of trash cinema. Yeah. Therefore, I, I, I think it pitches right in the middle. I, I, I think it's the king of trash movies and yeah. it, deserves, it deserves a three out of five mark here. Where, yeah. where, where three is your pinnacle. You know? Exactly, this, it's right you, the sweet you, spot. You, you've, you've got this unusual rating system where five out of five is, is too much. You know? too much. Three out of five is what, what a filmmaker is actually aiming for. And Waters, Waters gets three out of five bang on here. Three out of I five on the this, trash meter. This, this, is, this is the trash movie. This is the trash tape. And I would agree. I think, like, honestly, this is the thing, reason why I found it a bit difficult. I wanted to do Pink Flamingos for a long time. Pink Flamingos is, like us, like you said, it is the grand, one of the granddaddies of trash movies. It is one of the pinnacle of midnight cinema. It is, it is historic. It's also, re- and so this is why I was being tempted, like intimidated by it. Also, as an openly gay man, I thought to myself, I should have seen more John Waters movies by now, but I never got the chance to. But here's the thing I found more fascinating, and this is why I got you on. It's the fact that this movie is in the Criterion Collection of all things. <laughs> so this to me made me think like, okay, so there has to be something. Maybe I'm overthinking this. So that's why I got you on. And I honestly think having you on has really opened my eyes a lot more because what this has done is it's shown to me that even for all the offense and all the things of it, there is a genuine sparkle of glamour and wonder to this bizarre yeah 
bizarre movie. And I will safely say, this is perfect trash. This is right in the middle. This is the right balance of good to bad. It is, it's a treat. It's an experience that I feel everybody should see. Yeah, as 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 we've also said, it's a genuine cultural phenomenon. It's one yeah. of those movies that has shifted the culture yeah. and changed things, and more or less invented punk rock or a certain type of a certain part of the image of punk rock mm. um, years before the event. It's also as as we've been saying all along. All uh, how many Hollywood movies have we mentioned in the last hour or so? Too many. <laughs> that, that, how, how many Oscar-winning movies have we mentioned? Too that many. Owe, owe their existence to pink flamingos yeah. and it's still influencing films now john waters may now be in the mainstream but in being in the mainstream he's being outrageous you know he's 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 constantly he's he's john waters will never stop outraging people because he's always on the lookout for a new set of people to offend <laughs> this is true and, and having offended his own fan base by going mainstream, yeah. he'll, I, I, I wonder what's coming next. I, I, I really do. Yeah, Something he's getting, will be. He's getting <laughs> on a bit, and I feel like he. I think he. I think after relooking at P, after relooking into Pink Flamingos, he needs to do one big blow off. Is he, is, is he going to go out with a bang? Yeah, I yeah. kind of hope so. If, if anybody ever was going to, yeah, it would be him. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is perfect trash. Perfect trash. Thank you, oh so very much for being my uh, for being my guest today. This has actually been this, this has been a very different experience for me, but I genuinely loved it. We we, we you blew my mind so much from the research. <laughs> Usually, I'm the one who has to do all the research. I didn't have to do much today. It felt genuinely nice to so you just do literally blow my mind with facts. So thank you, oh so very much for being on. That's my pleasure. It's been uh, been great to be here. I'm sorry Ed couldn't join us because he he would have loved this. I'm sure. But, I really uh, hope so. He has four movies to catch up with because he hasn't been on for four episodes, which means that he has to watch these. Are the, we have to, he has to watch Pink Flamingos. He needs to watch DOA Dead or Alive. He needs to watch the movie Teeth. <laughs> which is and he needs to watch cruel jaws aka jaws 5 so that's a that's a that's a long night of bad movie watching right there that's that's an all-nighter right there i think yeah yeah uh, enjoy <laughs> enjoy if he ends um, on pink flamingos uh, it might change his life forever <laughs> oh I, I i think so is is he is he going to watch pink flamingos before listening to this podcast that's I a good he, I, I hope he does. he does i think if you need to tell him that's the way around to do it because i think we spoil too much of it he needs to go in cold like you did you say that but then again if if no if people are listening to this have never seen the movie i'm convinced people are going to be going to watch it because nah <laughs> nah that doesn't happen whistling yeah, they, asshole that they, way they, they, they can't believe what we've just told them yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly I, I, I wouldn't believe it things up so what we're going to do first we'll usually have a bit where we do our plug so basically we just plug where what where we can find you so daryl where can we find you um, um do you have anything to plug basically yeah i'm on facebook and um uh, i do the cine lit uh, podcast through quad so you can listen to that and you can contact me through uh, the quad in derby yeah. i'm a sort of i'm a sort of unofficial member of staff there i, I yeah. work freelance but uh, everybody there knows me so uh, you'll, you'll probably see me here and there yeah. um, around that building and um 
Yeah, I've uh, I've recently um, published two short collections of horror stories Ooh, yeah. written by written by various various contributing authors. They're called the BHF Books of Horror Stories, mm. BHF Volume Four and Five, and they're available via lulu.com and uh, this being the trash tapes i should advise you that if you go on lulu.com and look for the bhf books of horror stories you need to also look for the tab that says show explicit content because our our books are full of it so uh, so if you click on the tab that says show explicit content our books will magically appear for sale (laughs) and you can get them for £9.99 each, the fourth and fifth BHF books of horror, and all proceeds go to charity. We're paying uh, money, we're paying money to the NHS and we're paying to a charity called Angel Man UK. Fantastic. That was wonderful. Thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into those books. I know you got the to win there. Didn't Adam write a story for one of those? Yes, he's written for two for two of the books. Yeah, he wrote uh, wrote a story called Raspberry Beret, which is a horror story based on one of his favourite Prince songs. Of course he would have done. He's the biggest Prince fan <laughs> of all time. That, yeah, that's not yeah. even a shock. Um but yeah, so yeah, we're gonna wrap up. So thank you also very much for being on. It's been thank an you. absolute pleasure. And so yeah, until next time, keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. Cinephiles.